0: flyweight champion of the world
1: this is fast eddie chambers and you're listening
2: to the box Heart podcast with my main man joey cosmo Hello everybody and welcome to episode 403 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, the main man, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing great, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Let's dive straight into the review part of the show. I'm going to start here with this one. It went down in Germany at the Uni Hall Wapautel in Nordheim Westphal. And over here... Um, on the undercard, Jack Kulkaya picked up a win. He's now 33-4, and a knockout win for him in round two against Juan Monzon, who's now 8-5 and with three draws. But the main event, Vincenzo Gautieri. I'm going to hold my hands up and say I didn't know too much about the guy at all. I thought he's going to you know, box Esquiva Falcao, a guy that I do know really well, 30-0. Uh, Falcao, I think, was a Olympian in the past um, from South America. I can't remember if it's Colombia or Venezuela. I think Venezuela, but anyway. Whatever, um, I thought Falcao was going to go out there, fight here for the vacant IBF world middleweight title, probably win on points. But no, Gautieri started the fight well, had Falcao down in round two um, and built off of that really. When I say built off of that, I mean started dominating you know um, not that he dropped him again for a while but he did have him down in round 10 and yeah it was a decisive and clear wide points win there for Gautier over 12 rounds he's a new IBF middleweight champion of the world he upsets the odds and it wasn't like there was fishy scorecards or anything he certainly deserved the win now 21-0 and with one draw Esquiva Falcao loses his 0 he's now 30-1 um, yeah maybe Gautier is just A much better fighter than I first thought he would be, and again I hadn't heard of him. Falcao, I had heard of, and I thought you know was um, was was a good fighter, but yeah, I don't know what's gone on there. Moving now to the Manchester Arena over here in the UK. Let's start with the undercard. April Hunter was able to avenge her sole career defeat. Um, she lost, obviously, her O to Kirsty Bavinton. They had the rematch here. This time, April Hunter managed to get the points win. She's now seven and one. Kirsty Bavinton now seven and five with two draws. Bavinton down in the seventh round. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the fact that she was down in that seventh round, um, obviously, April Hunter won the round. 10 8. And I believe that was pretty much the deciding factor of April Hunter winning the fight. Um, ben Whitaker with another win. He's now 4 0. A TKO for him in the eighth and final round against Vladimir Beluski, who's now 13 7 with a draw. Beluski down in round three. Um, typical Ben Whitaker performance, really. Lots and lots of showboating. Um, not everyone really likes to see that. Um, it was just a mismatch, really. I don't even want to spend too long talking about it. Natasha Jonas. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm really happy for her. She's the new IBF welterweight champion of the world. She won the vacant title here with a TKO in round eight against Candy Wyatt, who's now 11-5. and five. Natasha Jonas, now a two-weight world champion, 14-2, and two with a draw, her record. Um, yeah, Natasha Jonas um, hurt Wyatt in the opening round, tried to put the foot on the gas, and... Um, yeah, it was one of those situations where you kind of wonder, you know, if the two-minute rounds were actually three-minute rounds, uh, would we see more KOs? I think we certainly would have seen an earlier KO here for Jonas. Um, it was pretty one-sided. She put a beating on Candy Wyatt. Candy Wyatt is obviously a tough girl. There's no... There's no. Um, You know, there's no getting away from that. And and yeah, you know, she took a real hiding and I was happy in the end that she was stopped. I didn't want to see her, you know, just get bashed up the whole night. But yeah, she did go eight rounds. I think they could have probably stopped it a little bit earlier than that. But credit to Jonas, who, like I say, seems to have found, um, yeah... You know the the best part of her career in recent times, and she is 39 years of age. Uh, moving up the card once again, Callum Simpson. He's now 12 and 0, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds there against Boris Crichton. Uh, Boris Crichton now 11 and 4. He's so so tough, Crichton. Um, like I say, Simpson 12 and 0, but Crichton, um, so hard to hit clean. You know, such a spoiler as well. Like he's so hard to hit him clean obviously, Callum Simpson, many people thought he would go in there and just knock Crichton out. Crichton, we saw him kind of survive against Lyndon Arthur. Um, He's a really fit guy and again, he doesn't really seem to turn his shots over too great himself, you know? Like, I don't think he's a big puncher. I think he needs to work on turning those shots over, but what he is really good at is surviving and riding shots and you know, tying you up and all the rest of it. He seems like a real frustrating style, especially for a really aggressive fight to like Simpson and yeah Simpson banks 10 rounds there and um yeah I mean yeah that's good to kind of get in your locker but it wasn't you know wasn't a really excellent performance like many people expected to see moving up the card once again Zach Chelly with a really really disappointing performance he's now 13 and 2 with a draw he lost unanimously over 10 rounds to Mark Jeffers who only had about about a week to two weeks notice for the fight. He's now 16-0. and 0. Really, really impressed, actually, with Mark Jeffers. Um, Zach Chelly was just so, so, so disappointing. I mean, he started really, really slow. Um, His jab would fall short. His jab was extremely slow, you know? And Mark Jeffers, just honestly, I'd never seen him fight before, and I thought he's going to go in there and probably end up getting banged out because I think Chelly's a lot bigger of a puncher than his record would suggest. But... Yeah, Mark Jeffers, man, so much credit has to go to him. He absolutely boxed Chelly's head off. And Chelly did have a little bit of success really, really late on. Chelly sometimes likes to get into a bit of a war, and he usually comes off best. But even when he did get into a bit of a war with Jeffers, Jeffers would just stand there, hold his feet, and get the better of him every single time. Jeffers, honestly, showed me quite a lot in that fight, and I actually can't wait to see him fight again. As for Zach Chelly, I was so disappointed actually, like really 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 disappointed, I thought it would be an easy win for him and um, yeah, he looked terrible, he absolutely looked terrible and I I can't even defend him, I really like Zach Shelley but yeah, it was was, it's a hard performance to defend because it was that poor you know, he he lost in every aspect, every area and it was just so surprising because I thought he was a lot better than that and yeah, the main event, Franchon Cruz discern friend of the show. She was dethroned of her undisputed super middleweight world title status. She's now eight and two a majority decision. Um, over 10 two-minute rounds against Savannah Marshall. She is now 13-1. and 1. She has taken all four of the main titles there at Super Middleweight. She's now undisputed. Happy for her. Happy for Peter Fury in the corner as well. Our very first ever guest on this podcast, actually, back in 2015. Um, yeah, I thought Savannah Marshall was quite good, actually. Um, I don't think it should have been a, ma- a majority. I think probably discern won maybe two rounds at best. Maybe three at the very best. Clarissa Shields at ringside, um, making everyone hear her voice, you know, screaming for the entirety of the fight, calling, uh, you know, calling out lots and lots of different things for discern to try and do. But yeah, discern, I think Marshall picked up on it in, in the build up. She said, you're not Clarissa. And yeah, that was true. She's not Clarissa. You know, Clarissa is a very, very good, you know, talented fighter. And yeah, Frenchon, um, is a little bit, I don't want to be too harsh, you know, she's a friend of the show, I like her a lot, but quite one-dimensional, and I didn't think she would really have a chance against Marshall, like I say, I thought it was very wide for Marshall in the end, actually, and yeah, Marshall has kind of surprised me in her last two fights, which are the two fights here that she's had against these American ladies, on Cruz, Zern, and also Clarissa Shields, where she seems to kind of give away that height- advantage she has. She likes to crouch down and flick out the jab, and the jab kind of comes from the hips, almost. And I'm not entirely sure that that works for her. We saw... we saw it completely ineffective against Clarissa Shields, but here she was doing the same thing with Franchon Cruz and sometimes it wasn't working, but then like I said, I don't think Franchon is as good as Clarissa. I don't think Franchon's as good as Marshall and not as fit as Marshall as well. So as the fight went on, um Desern couldn't really do much, and especially the, the the late rounds, Savannah was really starting to, you know, to, to pull away with the scorecards for sure. Um, in my opinion, anyway. So, yeah, Savannah Marshall, clear victory, um, dominated a undisputed champion there. Um, I don't know if it sets up a rematch with uh, Clarissa or what, but, yeah, um happy for savannah because i did think discern was extremely confident and savannah obviously had to had to bounce back after losing in a demoralizing defeat to clarissa so it was quite important to me to see how she bounced back and i think she bounced back quite well considering so yeah like i say happy for her dominated an undisputed champion and takes all the belts and you know straight away in her very next fight after losing to Clarissa, she is an undisputed world champion. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. So, extremely happy for her. And yeah, commiserations for Zern. Credit to her for coming here to the UK. Um, I haven't heard anything about a rematch clause in the contract. But if DeSern actually fought Savannah Marshall without making her sign a rematch clause, then I'd be really surprised. But I've not heard anything about a rematch. I don't think there should be one. But from a business point of view, surely she would have put an, uh, you a know, rematch. Um, a rematch clause in that contract, you'd have thought especially because she claims that she came to the UK as an amateur and lost a very controversial points decision to Savannah, so she has had prior experience boxing Savannah, boxing Savannah in the UK and boxing Savannah in the UK getting robbed by judges in her opinion, so she should have had a rematch clause but I haven't heard it mentioned at all anywhere, um, yeah that's it for that one moving now to the York Hall in Bethnal Green one fight to mention over here, friend of the show Casey Kademi, now 9-1 and one with 2 draws a win here he was able to TKO in just 3 rounds Ben Norman who's now 7 and 3 Norman down twice in the fight it was for the vacant IBO continental super flyweight title all the best there to Casey Kademi Moving now to the Sheffield Arena, Sheffield, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. This one was live on the zone. Let's start with the undercard. Uh, the Brazilian female Beatrice Ferreira now 3 0, a points win for her over eight two minute rounds against Carla Zamora. Um, a lot of people felt that the Brazilian girl was going to bang Zamora out of there because the Brazilian girl. Um, I keep saying Brazilian girl, Beatrice, she actually uh, would stop quite a few girls in the amateurs, and obviously she turned pro, I think she was 2-0 and with 1 KO, but yeah, she got in with Zamora, who's been around the block really in terms of being a pro, so yeah, if you stop people in the amateurs, it's, it's a good look, because it's, it's very rare actually for a female to be a big puncher in the amateurs, but like we say again and again, the amateur game's completely different to the professional game, and um, yeah, Zamora was able to... To actually go the full distance there, eight twos, and yeah, Ferreira was able was was unable to get her out of there. Uh, moving to the other fight, McCarrd. I should mention here, Louis Sylvester now twelve and zero points win unanimously over ten for the vacant English lightweight title against Adam Cope, who's now seven and one. Uh, good win there for Lewis Sylvester. Hopi Price. Um, I, I I tell you what. Um, I thought he'd stop. Um, James Beats Jr. I thought he was just going to be able to do it. Obviously, I think he'd moved up in weight as well for the fight, if I'm not mistaken, Hopi Price. A seventh round retirement win, so James Beats Jr. didn't come out for round eight. Uh, Beach was cut in round six um, and cut in round seven, I think, as well, on on both eyes. So, yeah, good step up, good win there for Hopi Price. Um, he's now 11-0. Um Pat McCormack with a really impressive win as well. Um, he is currently 5-0. His opponent also retired on his stall. Tony Dixon didn't come out for round 5. He's now 14-5. McCormack, like I say, 5-0. Dixon down late in round 4. Um, McCormack looked really good. You know, Just showed a little glimpse of what he can do. Obviously, it's against... Um, I was going to say not a world beater, you know, Tony Dixon. But having said that, it's only Pat's fifth fight. So, yeah, really impressive performance from him. And, yeah, the main event, Dalton Smith. Oh, boy, oh, boy. A TKO win in round seven. He's now 15-0. and He was able to TKO Sammy Maxwell, now 17-2. and It was for the British and Commonwealth super lightweight titles. Um great 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 performance from dalton smith and i really mean that he was cut over both eyes from head clashes during the fight um but he was punch perfect honestly i don't think he lost a round you know we've said it time and time again dalton smith is such a talent and we've said it you know so many times probably the best prospect in british boxing right now seems to just have it all really um I love the way they've moved him, you know, he's now, like I say, British champion, got the Commonwealth as well, um, but yeah, I think, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he might have even won the British outright, or it's definitely not his first offense anyway, but i tell you what, the guy is just unbelievable, you know, and I, I cannot wait to see him stepped up. I think there's some great fights, actually, that can be made for him at welterweight if he did decide to move up, like, I wouldn't mind seeing him in with someone like Connor Ben. um... Wouldn't mind seeing him, in with, seeing him in with someone like Michael McKinson. Um, at 140, though, I think there's not too much there for him domestically off the top of my head. But, yeah, I just think the guy's got such a bright future. Obviously, his dad in, in the corner with him. It's a father-son relationship that does work. And he just went through the gears, really. I mean, he he really beat Maxwell up. And Maxwell, I think, was bruised up within just one round. And, yeah, like I say, the stoppage in the end a brilliant shot, and it put him out, man, it put Maxwell out, Um, wasn't asleep, but was absolutely flatlined, you know, they had to get the oxygen in, they had to bring the stall to him, it was a brutal KO, and um, yeah, I just think, I just think Dalton Smith is such a good fighter, man, and um, yeah, like I say, he was coming off a bit of a not-so-great performance last time out he didn't look great last time out but I think he's the type of guy you throw him in with um with with you know stiffer competition and you'll see more from him I think he, he sometimes is a bit like that sometimes when you expect him to just walk over someone he doesn't really perform to his best but then when you throw him in like here in in against Sammy Maxwell who can punch as well you know Sammy Maxwell probably on paper Um, the, the, the best fighter he would have been in with yet as a pro. And you see the best of Dalton Smith. I thought he didn't put a foot wrong. He was unbelievable. And yeah, moving out now to the final card to mention. It went down at the Huntington Center in Toledo, Ohio. Over here, it was live on... ESPN in the States and Sky Sports in the UK, going to start with the undercard, just one fighter I do want to mention actually, one to watch for the future, Abdullah Mason, now 9-0, I think with 8 KOs, a second round TKO against Alex De Oliveira. now 20-5, I think Abdullah Mason is going places, um, Jahi Tucker, that's a guy who maybe isn't going places, he was a undefeated prospect. Um, he was ten and oh, he's now ten and one. He lost a majority decision over eight to Nicholas Flaz, who's now ten and three. Um sorry, who's now eleven and two. Um Flaz as well. I thought it was worth a little punt on him, actually. I ended up not going for it, but Flaz was a big underdog with the bookies and Flaz had actually upset the odds a couple of times in recent performances. So, yeah, I thought it was it was worth a little punt, but I didn't get on it. Moving up the card again, um, it was a fun fight really while it lasted. Arslanbek, Makhmadov, now 17-0 with 16 KOs. A TKO for him in round two against another massive puncher, Rafael Agpeggiore. Um Agpejori was, was 15-0 with 14 of them by a KO. He's now 15-1, knocked out in the second. He was down in the first, um, twice in the first. It was for the NABF heavyweight title. Um, and yeah, down once in round two, like I say, and, and, and TKO'd, um, Makhmadov just honestly, sometimes watching him is just, I mean, always watching him actually is, is like blinking. You'll miss it. Um, Came out like a wrecking ball. You could instantly tell that he was trying to get the job done quick. He does sometimes leave himself open as well, but I don't think he really cares. I don't think he, he he doubts in his own chin. And, yeah, just came out. You could see he was trying to get the stoppage done in about five seconds of the first round. Like, he was just throwing haymaker after haymaker. And he just didn't let Akpeggiore, you know set or at all. He was out there meeting him in the center of the ring, backing him up, you know, wasn't wasn't giving him any space. Um When he was kind of pushing Akpe back, he was almost getting a little bit dirty. You know, he seemed like he was desperate to knock him out quick. It was almost as if he put his house on the fact he's going to knock him out in one or two rounds. So, yeah, it was clear to see that the fight wasn't going to to go long at all. And someone was going to get knocked out. And, yeah, Makhmadov got the knockout nice and early there. Um, Again, I still... I still completely believe that he lost to Carlos Takam and Takam quite badly exposed him. And if you can take him a few rounds, then I think you've got a massive chance regardless of your boxing ability. But taking him a few rounds is the is, is the hard task and no one really seems to be able to do that at the moment. Um, So it makes for good viewing, but he of course doesn't have a loss even though I think he should have one. And for that... For that, for that reason, he's obviously ranked super highly with all the governing bodies. And then, yeah, the main event, Jared Big Baby Anderson, now 15-0. The first time he's gone the distance, he was 14-0 with 14 KOs. He's now, like I say, 15-0. Um, a 10-round unanimous decision over Charles Martin who's now 29-4 and with a draw. Both guys friends at a show. Um, Martin down in round three. It was for the WBC USA heavyweight title and the WBO international heavyweight title. Um, Charles Martin actually came in in decent shape. Um, I noticed that he's lost about 10 pounds since his last fight, so that tells me that he hasn't just been sitting on a sofa somewhere and um, smoking weird substances. It shows me that he's obviously been training. And, um, yeah, came to the ring. Looked quite confident in his ring walk. Uh, Jared obviously came to the ring as well. I Think they had a rapper wrapping him into the ring. Um, got in the ring again. Looked quite confident. But I was wondering, is the pressure going to get to him? You know, we're going to we're going to really see here what he's all about. Obviously, got him with a former world champion. Whatever you want to say about that, you can say. But he he did he did he did achieve a world title. Um, and yeah, just the fact that it was obviously back in Toledo, Ohio, where Jared Big Baby Anderson's from, and um, that pressure—you know—the whole crowd's there to see you win. I think he brought his dog along for the fight week as well, which that's like his best friend or whatever. Um, he was there. I think the dog was kind of—I'm um, not entirely sure—was was behaving himself during the fight. I think he could see his owner was having a fight, so he was kind of unsettled, and that probably. You know, was something that Jared picked up on in the corner of his eye. So it's not really clear cut. You know, it's it's difficult. You see, you see a family member or a pet in this instance. You know, bothered or, or, or you know nervous or whatever, unsettled in the corner of your eye can certainly put you off of your game. Um, I'm not entirely sure if that did happen, but I'm just saying, you know, back in Toledo with his pet present who's kicking off at ringside, um, and obviously there was that little clip that circled with him and his new trainer, Roy Jones Jr., who wasn't in the corner with him, by the way, um, and and he was saying the pressure, man, the pressure, and he started crying in that little clip that we saw, and I just thought, wow, like, is there really that much pressure on Jared Anderson, really, you know, and it kind of, I don't know, like, he's talking about he wants to retire at 27 years of age, I think he's, like, 23 now, so he's got four years to go, if that's to be the case, but... Yeah, I just thought, really? Is he really under that much pressure? What's it going to be like when he's walking out, potentially, at somewhere like Wembley Stadium in front of 80,000 people when he gets in with someone like a Joshua or someone like a Tyson Fury? God knows, you know, God knows. Like, that's when you really feel the pressure. So, uh... I don't know. Just a little bit of a chink in his armor there. I, I just thought to myself maybe he doesn't really deal with pressure very good because it wasn't it wasn't really a great look to see, you know, a big tough heavyweight knocking everyone out crying in an interview. Not that I'm obviously, you know, kicking him while he's down or anything like that. Not that I'm making fun out of that at all. I completely understand. But I don't think it's 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 a great look when you're a heavyweight boxer, unfortunately. So if it were were me, if I were him, I'd be saying, yeah, maybe don't air that clip. But obviously, you know, they aired it. They they showed it, I think, again on fight night before he walked out. So I don't know. I don't know if it was maybe partly staged. I've got no idea. I'm just saying it's an angle. Um, But yeah, really, really disappointing performance from Jared Anderson. I was actually quite shocked, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah. You know, no one expected that we'd even see the second half of the fight. And no one, of course, expected uh, to to, to see Jared Anderson eat so many power shots from Charles Martin. I mean... Yeah, he was, he was quite worried, I think, at times about the straight left hand of Martin. Martin was just letting go of that straight left hand and, uh, you know, straight down the pipe. That's obviously his backhand as well, you know, being a southpaw. And it was landing again and again and again. And at times, Anderson did not want to get too close. He was throwing shots from out of range. He wasn't really wanting to commit to throwing a power shot himself due to the risk of being caught I think Charles Martin was timing him a lot you know with counters and stuff and I was like wow Charles Martin still has something for sure and I didn't think he did actually the way he got deleted by old man Ortiz but certainly like I say he seemed like he was on his game Um, but I still didn't think it'd be enough to trouble Anderson in the ways that he troubled him Um, at times as well Charles Martin looked really slow Um, And, yeah, Jared Big Baby Anderson was unable to capitalize on moments like that. And, yeah, you know, I feel like he, to some degree, kind of exposed himself. But I will say, what a chin from Charles Martin. Um, I was wondering maybe if the power of Jared has been overhyped or something, but... I just, all in all, was really, really confused, and I thought it was quite a bad look for Jared Anderson. Um, Yeah, obviously, you know, you look back at the measuring stick, you you see that has got him out in six, Joshua got him out in two rounds, seven whole years ago. And Anderson goes the distance and gets rocked a number of times in the fight, including the horrible time he got rocked. In the last five seconds of the fight, he was in he was in lots and lots of trouble. There walked into a massive shot. Would have been interesting to see if there was 30 seconds left, but yeah, there wasn't. So I'm not going to go down that path. Um, yeah, so I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. You know, this is a guy that they were saying is is you know the next American heavyweight world champion. Um, you know, some people would have said he's number one. Some people would have put him above Deontay Wilder. I've been seeing things like that online. I wonder if those people still hold him in such high regard after this performance here. He did win the fight, but not in the fashion we expected him to win it in. Um, Eddie, I know you probably saw bits of it. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, yeah I definitely saw pieces. And um, as far as the pressure and things like that, I heard about the interview and all of that. There was a great deal of pressure. But if you're not able to handle it at that level, then... Just too bad, you know what I mean. You're not going to go very far because there's going to be more pressure as time as, as, he, as he ascends. So, um, as far as the fight and his performance, I mean, this, you know, certain certain guys, you know what I mean. Especially, I think, you know, Charles Martin was a late replacement too,
2: which uh yeah. And then I didn't, sometimes I didn't, I didn't mention that, but you're 100 percent right. Yeah, that's another bad thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's a tough thing when you get a late replacement who's actually a guy
1: that is not an easy guy to fight, you know what I mean? We don't give, you know, Charles Martin enough credit because of, you know, the the, the things that happened, like him getting stopped by Ortiz, even though when you think about it, he was actually doing really well, kept hurting Ortiz, and the fight before the end came for him, which it was like a turnaround, a crazy turnaround. Um as far as Anthony Joshua, he just, you know, at that point, at that level, Anthony Joshua was just, was just at a different level, you know what I mean, than, than he was, and... Even though, you know, he had a belt, he wasn't quite what Anthony Joshua was. And obviously, Anthony Joshua is not being super elite. And well, one of the elites, but he's even starting to take, you know, drop down a few steps. But, um, you know, and then to expect Jared Anderson to get in there, because he's been knocking everyone out, because there's a lot of hype behind him, he's done really well with different guys and camps and different stuff like that. And and you're hearing all of these things and, and people in the know is talking about how, How great of a guy, how great of a fighter he's gonna be before he's even anointed, before he even actually, he's anointed that even before he actually gets there. And I think that's where he's coming from when he's saying the pressure, the pressure, the pressure. Um, Well, it's it's your own doing. Just putting that pressure on you. You've been doing so well, so now you have to just continue. You know what I mean? You got to put forth, you know, the effort and keep that work that work going. And, and trust me, I understand where he's coming from because there was a point when I was thinking, when I was young, it was just so much on a young guy. I remember I was turning pro at 18, and people talk about, yeah, you got to do this. You guys, yeah, I remember I had my whole family. We didn't have anything, so <laughs> I had my whole family on my back, and look at me for, hey, what's the next step type thing. So, you know, it was rough, and I do understand that, but you have to be prepared to, to take that on your back and, and, and do it with a smile. You know what I mean? And and it's, to show, and I know you were saying, Joe, and to show that Kind of emotion is commendable, but it's also worrisome for some for some of the supporters. You know what I mean. Unless, like you said, it was stage, it's still a little bit, uh, you know what I mean. Is this is he gonna be okay as he gets as he goes further up? Is the lights shining too bright for him at certain times? Like, what are we gonna do with this guy when he when he actually is like staring down a down, down a, uh, or staring down a, um, in, in the other corner at like a Tyson Fury, like you said? Or or Joshua or Wilder or any of these guys, and he's got to be prepared to to, to 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 die, you know what I mean? Because because some of these guys will come out there and they'll try to kill you. So, yeah, it, it's 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 rough. And I think at times in the fight, like you said, in different parts that I've seen, you can see where that pressure and those expectations can possibly get to. You know what I mean? So uh, unfortunately, fortunately for him, he got through the fight. You know what I mean? He, he, he didn't perform as most of us would have expected, but he got through it. He got through it. Sometimes you got to win the ugly ones or the tough ones. As long as you get a win, you can move on to the next thing, look, look good the next time out. So fortunately for him, he can he, he has the opportunity to now go back to the drawing board and, and work on some things and, and, and improve uh, before his next one, which is almost sure to be tougher than this one he just had.
2: Well, there we have it. That brings the review part to a close. The final thing for me to do in this part is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning English Super Welterweight Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Sam Gilley. Sam, welcome back on the show, my man. Thanks for having me back, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, my friend. Always good when speaking with you, Sam. So, we last spoke back in December of last year. It's been a little while in that time. Obviously, you've boxed just the once. Firstly, What's been the reason for that? Um, yeah, for that time out the ring.
0: Um, well, for, I was meant to fly out in February, but um, so my best friend lives in Australia, and um, so he was meant to be getting married. December coming, but um, unfortunately, the bride's dad um, had cancer and he wasn't going to make December. They had to get married in February, and um, so I had to fly out for. I was one of the grooms and I flew out for the wedding. Uh, sorry, it was in January. I flew out for the wedding, and uh, so I was out there for two weeks. And uh, unfortunately, the um, the the dad passed away a couple of days after the wedding. But um, so luckily, they got it done when they did. So I had to go out there for the wedding, and then um, and then it was just there was just no opportunities popping up after that. It was it, yeah, just nothing come up. I mean, that's and I ended up having to have a, a six rounder, but because um, it was there was just nothing on the table really. But um, I was lucky to get a six-rounder and just kick over and stay busy. and Well, busy enough.
2: Yeah, that fight that you did have, um, yeah, let's talk about it. Almost three weeks ago now, you boxed at York Hall on that, on that Clark whack undercard. You boxed Ellis Corrie. Yep. Um I placed a nice little bet for you to win on points <laughs> in, the sixth oh, sorry, and final... <laughs> in the sixth and final round. Just as I was starting to count my winnings, you managed to land that, that left hook to the body. Um, I think there was about 14 seconds left on the clock. The sound Ellis Corey made can only be described as a squeal. Um, talk me through the fight and obviously the noise you, you made him uh, make whilst he was rolling around the canvas.
0: Well, um, yeah, it was... It, it was just, um, well, yeah, it was a good performance, really. I was happy. I mean, he didn't really, he didn't touch me. He barely touched me. So, the, the defence is improving a lot from um, from the Drew Brown fight. That's something we've been working on so much since then. Um, I didn't really get touched against Sean and Didn't get touched this time, so it's working. Ellis Corey was a good, solid opponent. I didn't want the journeyman. That was one thing I was adamant on. I did not want to fight a journeyman. I wanted someone live in front of me. Um so yeah, I mean, he was a, he's a he was a he was like the reigning Northern Area champion, I think. So yeah, good to get through. I mean, it was like the best of both worlds because I got the six rounds out and I still got the stoppage as well. So I managed to, uh, yeah, managed to show some things we've been working on, and obviously left uh left hooks to the body is my favourite shot. So it was nice to finish the the shot, uh, the show like that. But um, yeah, I mean, when it landed, he um, he just lifted his elbow at the right minute. So it just literally at the last second, he just popped his elbow up and it snuck underneath. But um, it's a it's a very it's one of my hardest well one of my hardest shots that I can throw, and um, and he definitely took the full force of it. Bless him. (laughs)
2: It was a a fantastic shot. Um, I remember speaking on the podcast after your fight and saying that once again, I felt like this win is another win in the career of Sam Gilley that further solidifies the fact that you're above this kind of level. But 154 is a funny one, because I feel like even the domestic scene has levels to it at 154, because the amount of fighters we do have. Um, Obviously, after the fight, you were asked if... if, um, I think, it, actually, your trainer, Rod Julian, was asked, um, you know, what he thought. And he said he feels like you're the best in the country. You're ready for anyone right now. Um, you'll have to forgive me here, because I know that the interviewer threw one name out that you kind of brushed off. I've forgotten who it was. But, um, yeah. Egbeniki. Who was it? Oh, Egbeniki. Okay. Eg- yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're not interested in that one, you say, Sam. So, who who mm. who, who, who who does interest you?
0: So... Uh, well, at the at the minute, I've got one one focus only, the Commonwealth title. I've been made mandatory for that. So Louis Green is a champion. So obviously it's it's not he's not nothing against Louis, but it's just that's that's what I'm focusing on because he's got the he's got the belt that I'm managed for. So that's what I want, and that's who we'll be fighting next unless he vacates.
2: Okay, fabulous. And also, I should mention as well, after the fight, again, you were asked if that was the best shot you've landed. You said you landed every week in the gym. <laughs> Do you still
0: feel like that? Yeah, uh, mate. I, I mean, listen. Like, <laughs> ask the lads in the gym, they'll tell you. I don't I need don't to say anything else.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. And um, <laughs> after the fight as well, judging by your Instagram, looked like you jetted off to the Dominican. It looked real fun, Sam.
0: Oh mate, I, honestly, it was an absolute blast. It was just, oh, it just it was an absolute perfect holiday. We just chilled out, ate loads of food, um, spent some time together, went and done like the dirt buggies and all that through the rainforest. Yeah, it was at mate, it was unbelievable. What a fantastic place!
2: Yeah, Excellent man. And knowing what I know about your trainer Rod, I'm guessing he'd have been dying for you to get back so you could get straight back in the gym. Um, how yeah. many days you been back in the gym, Sam?
0: Yeah, but I've I've been back um been back three days now. It's, um three days this week. Um but yeah, Rod had a meeting with um with Squire today about the uh, about the next moves. So yeah, that was really positive and uh we're looking forward to the Commonwealth title.
2: Excellent. Yeah, you say. Um yeah, so what what's your hunch with that? Obviously you wanna go for the Commonwealth. You say that Louis Green's the man behind the strap. Um do do you think I mean, from the whispers that you you do know about, does it look like that's something we're going to probably see, or does it look like he's maybe closer to wanting to vacate?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Only only Louis Green can answer that. I mean, I'd hope he'd take the fight. I mean, it'd be on a big platform. Do you know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's knocked out. He's knocked out three three out of his last three. So uh, his last three wins, he's not he's not small out. So he's on a good run of form. Um. So. Hopefully, it takes a fight, mate. I see that he was made mandatory for the... um, Like, his last defence of his Commonwealth was like an eliminator for the British. I see that on the circular. So, he's, I've, I've, if unless I'm mistaken, I think he's mandatory for the British. So, if Kelly vacates, it'd be nice to get him for both.
2: Oh, that would be a touch, yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I want to say, obviously, his last three wins, good win there um, over Dean Sutherland as well. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that sounds like it's your next move. Any idea at all? I know it's very early, Sam. But any idea at all what kind of month that would maybe land in?
0: Well, hopefully September. September. Hopefully September, but we know what boxing's like. I was told I was told a fight um, in April when I, I ended up fighting three weeks ago so it's things things happen things change shows change so especially now with a, with like with a big TV company it's like there's so many more aspects to it like rather than the small shows where there's not really a lot that can change the show other than pull outs and stuff like that but, um yeah there's so many small factors to think about with a uh, with a TV lot.
2: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And, yeah, just finally, um, we've kind of flown through all the questions, really, that I had for you, Sam. I wanted to say Spence versus Crawford, only about three weeks away now. I think we've probably spoke about this before, to be honest, but I wanted to get your latest take, because a lot of people seem to be flip-flapping back and forth. Who wins and how?
0: All right, I'm going. Something oh, uh, oh, this is book Vegas for later month. Touch. So, yeah, we're going. Um. So I've wait. I've got to say, Crawford. Yeah. I've got. I've, do you know what I looked on his? Um. I looked on his. Um. I looked on his box set the other day. I didn't realize how many knockouts the geezer got.
2: He's a hundred percent KO in- at
0: welterweight. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. What like? oh it's unbelievable. And I mean, what he done to um? Oh, what's his name? The one he, to beat Kelly. Avenesian. What he done to it, that mate? That was scary, and um, yeah, I just mate, I just think he's, he's unbelievable. So I've got, I've, I've got to go with um, I've got to go with Crawford.
2: Yeah, no, I've been firmly with Crawford as well, um, ever since yeah. the whispers of this fight. And yeah, like you say, he's been, he's been, you know, he's a hundred percent with his KOs since moving to one four seven. He really is a fabulous fighter. I can't mate, wait for it
0: That's that's an absolute joke when you think about the fighters at one four seven. And he come up from fighting, he bought Ricky Burns at one point, didn't he? Yeah. So he's come up through the way, and now he's sparking people up at 147 every single time he gets in the ring. (laughs) That's mad.
2: That's what I mean. He actually (laughs) didn't knock out Ricky Burns. And you think that was almost 10 years ago. Madness. And that was down at lightweight. He's just, honestly, he's unreal. But anyways, moving on. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to, obviously, that's amazing you're going out there. That is just unbelievable. I'd love to switch positions with you but just before we wrap things (laughs) up if you've got any closing words to the listeners Sam I know that I always like to kind of let you finish off with a little message before we let you go if you want to wrap it up with a little message my man take it away
0: well no no, just thanks everyone for uh, for the support along the way we've got a big year coming up so stay tuned and uh, you will be entertained
2: Yeah, no, you absolutely will be. Listen, Sam, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, mate. Congrats once again on that brilliant win. Enjoy out there in the States. I'm sure you will, and we'll speak again soon.
0: Top man. Cheers, mate. Thanks for speaking to me.
2: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. Just one piece of news to mention. It's that we're going to see the rematch between Zili Zhang and Joe Joyce. It goes down on... Uh, September 23rd at the OVO Arena, Wembley. So, um, yeah, that one, like I say, goes down 23rd of September. I'm not entirely sure that they've announced a undercard just yet. So, yeah, should be a decent one. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that fight unfolds. But, of course, we'll talk more in-depth about it when it's closer. Um, but, yeah, that's it for the news. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. It goes down later tonight. At the auditorium in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, USA, over here. Christopher Lovejoy, it's just a mad fight. Um, Christopher Lovejoy, 20 and 1 with a draw. Last time out, got a draw against a guy who was 4 and 8. He gets in with a guy called Marcelo Leandro da Silva, who's 22 and 5. Um, 17 KOs, all five times that he has. Um, at lost, he's been knocked out. He hasn't boxed in over six years, and that was a first round knockout loss he suffered back in 2017 to Jean Pierre Augustin. So, um, yeah, I don't know what to make of that, but it's another circus fight for Christopher Lovejoy. Uh, moving out now to this one, it goes down on Friday um, at the Cintamex in Monterrey, Mexico. It's going to be live on The Zone. Um, it's headlined by Young Diego Pacheco, 15-0. Sorry, 18-0 with 15 KOs. He gets in with Manuel Gallegos, who is 18 and well sorry, 19 and 1 with a draw. Gallegos um not stopped in his in his sole defeat, which was back in October of 2020, to Osio Santoyo. Um, majority draw last time out against the undefeated 13-0, Richard Van Sicklen. Um, but yeah, you know. He does hold a win over Kevin Newman, um, who I met a few months ago in the UK, training now under Roy Jones Jr. Nice guy, Kevin Newman, actually. Instantly clicked with him. but yeah, to think he beat Kevin Newman, that would tell me he's quite a decent fighter, though I haven't seen anything of him. But he's a Mexican, he's going to be tough. He's only 26 years of age, six foot three at super middleweight, so he's a big boy, as is Diego Pacheco, who I think is about 6'4". So um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a, a bad fight. Obviously, you'd have to side with Pacheco, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a few rounds here. Um, one fight as well on the undercard that I do want to just give an honorable mention... Jonathan Rodriguez, 24-2, and gets in with Israel Gonzalez, who these days holds a record of 28-5 and with a draw. I remember him boxing um, Cal Yafai back in the day. But, yeah, the reason I think it's going to be interesting is because Israel Gonzalez, last time out, even though he lost, he lost, um, you know on points to Bam Rodriguez, Jesse Bam Rodriguez, and he pushed him quite close, you know, Bam Rodriguez didn't look so good in that fight, and he blamed it on the fact he'd been incredibly active all year, and, you know, I think he'd had three or four fights in one calendar year, so, you know, we, we, we gave him the benefit of the doubt there, but, you know, if you don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt, then maybe Israel Gonzalez is a little bit better um, than, than, you know, we thought. Um, like I say, I remember him losing to Kaya I've seen him get stopped by Joe Winankahas as well. They've both both these guys have lost to Joe Winankahas. But anyway, I think he put in a good performance, a, a performance that I would say um, has kind of made me want to put a small little stake on him to actually upset the odds here. He's a slight underdog. Moving out to. Um, Metapec Mexico over here. This one is on the Saturday. We're gonna see Luis Neary 34 and one get in with Froilan Saludar, who's 33 and 6 with a draw. It's over ten rounds there at Bantamweight. Um Luis Neary, I think most people expected him to get the stoppage. I think Saludar's been stopped three times in his six losses. Can't remember who too now, off the top of my mind. But um I know he went the distance, I think, in a loss to I wanna say Andrew Maloney. Um, in one of the most recent fights that I've seen of his, um. But anyway, you know, I'm quite impressed with the way that Lewis Neary has bounced back since getting stopped to um to Brandon Figueroa. I am quite surprised. So um, yeah, you know, I think he he. He'll probably win, like I say, probably by stoppage. But I think if he stops this guy, it's a little bit of a statement. I mean, again, this guy also went the distance and lost a split decision to Daigo Higa, who can certainly bang. Um... Yeah, moving out now to Nicaragua. One fight to mention over here. We're going to see friend of the show, Ernesto Mercado. I've talked about this guy many, many times before. We like to mention every time he's got a fight because he is one of the most exciting fighters right now. 10-0 and with 10 KOs. I think he had 300 amateur fights, winning 290 of them. He's been a national champion about 10... Uh, I was going to say 10, about 20 times, I think, actually. Um, he is boxing a guy called... Zolisani Ndongeni, who some people will um, remember him. Thirty-one and two is the record, his two losses. One came to Devin Haney, lost his O to Devin Haney unanimously over ten rounds, and after that he got in with a guy called Prince Delomo, um, who was actually eleven and ten. Uh, With a draw, and he actually got knocked out by that guy in six rounds. It was another one of those kind of um, fighters that you go, wow. He got knocked out by a guy who was eleven and ten. You know, and 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 Devin Haney couldn't knock him out. Um, And you know, it was one of those fights, like I said, that people looked at and said, oh man, Devin Haney really can't punch and all the rest of it. But yeah, he gets in with a real banger here. Um, he is coming off a win last time out. He actually stopped Kong Kongsong, who some people will remember when he travelled to the UK, I think during COVID, and got stopped in a round by Josh Taylor, um, which was a punch that no one really actually saw. Even when you you looked at the replay, you were like, what punch actually knocked him out? But anyway, that's going in a different direction. It's going to be good to see Ernesto Mercado out once again. Um, yeah, moving to the ballroom at the boardwalk in Atlantic City, New Jersey, USA. This one's going to be live on Showtime. Let's start with the undercard. I think there's three good fights on this card, to be totally honest with you. I'm going to start with this one here. Um, Edwin De Los Santos. He's 15-1 with 14 KO's. Um, his loss as well was a split decision over eight rounds to William Foster III. He gets in with Joseph Adorno, who's seventeen and two with two draws, um, fourteen KOs. Again, both man, both men, come bang. Um, I remember watching uh, Adorno's fight last time as well. Again, he got in with a real big banger, which was um, Elvis Rodriguez, and ended up losing a majority decision. Though I think. Um, one of the cards that was close was quite far off, if I'm not mistaken. Adorno been down twice, but he's a real tough, tough guy. So again, um, will he get stopped here? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I'm expecting it you know, it to probably go a few rounds. But having said that, both guys can bang. So I wouldn't advise any kind of bet on that fight there. Uh, it's for the WBC Continental America's lightweight title. Also on the card, we're going to see Elvis Gomez, a prospect 6 I know O with five KOs, Yo Elvis Gomez, um, Cuban fighter based in Las Vegas. Um, yeah, it's a step up once again. He gets in with Marcus Taylor, who's fourteen and one with two draws. Marcus Taylor, um, quite a tough guy. Like I say, the one loss that he does have um, as well was on points. So yeah, he's not you know he's not really a puncher and he's quite tough as well. Um, his little one loss come to Ladarius Miller back in 2015. Um, yeah. Boxed, boxed a few decent guys, you know. Um, upset the odds a couple of times. Um, got a draw with Luke Santa Maria as well, which actually is quite a uh, quite a decent uh, little draw because Santa Maria upset a few odds as well himself. But no, he's been around the block, you know. He's got a few good wins. Took the O away from Sanjibek Rachmanov. Um, Took the O away from Marlon Harrington. He's not a bad fighter. But, yeah, like I say, it's another positive move for Yoelvis Gomez. Uh, he's always good to, to to watch. And, yeah, the way they're moving him, they're moving him very, very quick. It's a 10-rounder here as well um, at middleweight. So it's going to be good to see Yoelvis Gomez once again. Um, he's another guy who I'm not entirely sure how old he is. But he's another guy who I think looks way older than his listed age. Another Cuban um yeah, bore And, yeah, moving to the main event, I'm going to come to you, Eddie, here. Jaron Ennis, 30-0, gets in with Romain VR26-1. and 1. Um, yes, over 12 rounds there at Welterweight, obviously. Um, a lot of people expecting Jaron Ennis to get the knockout, you know, 30 0, 27 KOs. However, obviously, last time out, we were watching him get in with Karen Chikadzian. and we didn't think much of Karen Chikadzian. We really thought he'd walk through him, and he looked actually really quite average last time, Jaron Ennis. I can't exactly remember what exactly I criticized him for now cuz it's a fight that thankfully I've kind of forgotten a bit about you know I remember watching it and I I had a hell of a lot to say in the podcast after that fight but I can't remember exactly what I was criticising him for but I remember obviously you'd done a little bit of work with Ennis in the build up to that fight and you were very confident he was going to stop this guy early just like everyone else was and obviously went the distance in quite a laboured performance gets in with a guy here though called Romain Villa like I say 26 and 1 the one loss uh, came to Marcos Villasana back in 2019 Um, but yeah last time out was able to beat Rashidi Ellis that was a good win there um I think he dropped Ellis as well, if I'm not mistaken. I can't. I'm sure I watched that fight. Um, it was on the yeah, yeah, the Tank Davis and Hector Luis Garcia undercard. Oh yeah, that was the same night that Geron Ennis boxed Chukadzian. So yeah, definitely watched it. But anyway, you know, both guys can bang here. Like I say, Via 26 and one, 24 KOs, and Ennis 27 KOs from 30 wins. Um, you wouldn't expect this one to go the distance, Eddie. But, um, yeah, what's your thoughts on it? I don't know if you've seen much of Via.
1: Yeah, I watched the, actually, uh, the the fight actually with him and uh, Rashidi Ellis the last time out. Uh, Rashidi Ellis is a really good, like fast boxer, but not a ton of power. But, uh, you know, surprising power. He, you know, he, he can get respect. Uh, but Villa is one of those guys who is just going to stick around. You know what I mean? Sometimes wait you out. You know what I mean? Land shots to your body, wear you down slightly, and I think that's what end up happening. And then what he does is he draws a lot of offense from it because it looks like it's going to be easy. You'll be trying to, you'll be picking at him, you'll be, you'll pick him apart. There's things that you'll be able to land. It looks like you have an, a serious effect on him, and and I guess to a degree you are because you're winning and you're piling up points. But he's the kind of guy who's like a second half fighter. He's waiting for to see that little bit of a fade you and then he's going to step up, step up and try to take you out or at least take the fight to you. And a heavy puncher, you know what I mean? Big shots that you can see, but still, nevertheless, big shots. And when you get tired and your defense starts to suffer a little bit, which is what happened with Rashidi Ellis, he uh, he kind of comes up at the end. That's how he ended up stealing that one at the end there. But and I know we wanted to criticize uh, Boots for the but a previous fight that he had with this, with his kid Karen, but Karen actually was extremely good defensively and extremely good with his footwork. If you really remember the fight, this dude was well, he knew where to go, he knew how he knew his way around the boxing ring. He knew how to survive. And and the thing, and this has happened with many fighters. And I'm you know I'm probably. I faced this on the way up as well, where guys know how to survive, and they're not gonna, you're not gonna look good against them. So it's just best to go out there and win. You know what I mean? He and, and he got into one of those situations where he was looking for the knockout, he was looking for the spectacular, and it's really difficult to look good in those situations because you're already fighting up a battle because everybody expects you to just, you know, dominate this other professional who's actually pretty good and got a lot of respect you know, behind him from where he's from, although uh, we don't know about it. We haven't seen much of him. We we so we, we kinda take for you know for granted that oh he's gonna destroy him. But he's still a professional and as we've seen in the fight, he was extremely good defensively and extremely good with his footwork. He knew how to survive. There was never gonna be a time where he was gonna put himself completely in a position to where he was gonna get stopped. He knew how to stay away from that, even with a kid as dynamic as Boots. So, and you can see within the fight, Boots throwing shots and sometimes spinning around and, you know, trying to do different things to make the fight more exciting because he wasn't getting a lot in return from the other guy. And as far as being hypercritical of him, I understand it, but there's not a single moment in the fight that he was second place. Not a single moment. So it's kind of hard to be really critical. I mean of course you can do it anyway and you know what we expect. But when a guy wins every round by a lot, it's hard to it's hard for me to, to look at it and say, Yeah, he didn't perform the way he wanted to A lot of times it's the other guy, a lot of times it's the fighter he's fighting against that makes it really difficult. So this is one this is a different one altogether though. V is gonna be right there, he's gonna take chances and I think that's where Boots is gonna end up catching him with something sharp, something nice, he's gonna end up stopping him. But uh, taking it underway for Via, he's tough and he's coming to win. And He's proud. I'm pretty sure he's going to go out there and give it his all. And he's going to try to go out on the shield for sure.
2: We shall see. We shall see. Hopefully it's a good one. But yeah, I don't think this one will go the distance. Um, yeah, moving to the final card to mention, it goes down at the AT&T Center in San Antonio, Texas, USA. Um, on the undercard, we're going to see Marlon Esparza, 13-1. and 1. This one is for the WBA, WBC, and WBO um, female world flyweight titles. Um, the WBO champion in the other corner is Gabriela Celeste Alanis, who's 14-0. and She's actually a little bit of a puncher as well. I think she's got six KOs from her fourteen team wins, but she's coming off three back-to-back TKOs, which, again, doesn't happen too often in women's boxing, whereas Marlon Esparza, 13-1 and with just one KO. Very, very light puncher she is. Um, Marlon is the big favourite. She's expected to win this, and I will say, even though um, Alanis is a world champion, her, you know, The opponents that she's boxed, they've they've had seriously poor records. Like they've really wrapped her in cotton wool to get to 14 and 0. Um, But yeah, hopefully it's a good one. You know, I enjoy women's boxing when it's good. Also on the card, friend of the show Joseph Jojo Diaz, 32 and 4 with a draw. It's a ten rounder here at lightweight. He gets in with Jerry Perez, who's fourteen and two with a draw. Looking at both guys' records on paper, you're gonna say, "Oh, it's an easy win here for Joseph Jojo Diaz." However, um, you know Joseph Jojo Diaz coming off three back-to-back-to-back defeats. Obviously, all of them have come on points. It's not like he's ever been stopped or nothing like that. But he was extremely poor last time out against Masito Gesta, and that was the fight where I said, "You know what?" The Filipinos at the minute, they are, you know, they're, they're hungry, man. They're, they're upsetting the odds. And yeah, I, I called it and then he ended up doing that. And I was gutted, really, because I really like Jojo. Um, Jojo came out a few weeks ago on social media and said he wanted to admit something to his fans. He wanted to apologize, but he was an alcoholic. You know, he's been drinking and he's had a real problem with alcohol and um i sent him a tweet a direct message tweet and we had a little bit of a back and forth just um you know i wanted to just kind of show my support to him and stuff like that and um he come back with some positive stuff and it was a really positive exchange and i've got about three or four different phone numbers for the guy so um yeah i got his latest phone number and i hoped we could have had some kind of interview going before this fight but hopefully we'll get him on after the fight but um yeah, I, I like JoJo, and yeah, I think he's finally kind of realized that yeah his career is is, is going really badly downhill, and he needs to turn it round. And yeah, he gets in with Jerry Perez, who I don't actually think he's going to walk straight through either. You know, Perez obviously lost his, his two fights to Frank Martin and Michelle Rivera, two fighters who are not bad fighters at all. Um, you know, lost to both of those guys, but he's beaten some good fighters along the way as well. And he certainly won't be coming for the, for the, you know, for the pay, for the payday or whatever you call it. He'll be coming to, to give it a good go, you know? Um, I think he's had a couple of fights as well in the Team Combat League thing. That that silly thing that I'm not a fan of. The one-round one, the one round tag team fight kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, anyway, it is what it is. But, yeah, I don't think JoJo's going to walk for him. I think that would be quite impressive if he did. But I'm expecting it to probably go the distance. But JoJo, I feel like he kind of needs to look good. And I just wish him all the best, man. And, yeah, the main event, Virgil Ortiz Jr. This is, honestly, a real, real, real fantastic fight Ortiz Jr. 19-0 it's for the WBA World World 2 8 title it's a 12 rounder against Imantas Stanionis 14-0 9 KOs obviously like I say Virgil Ortiz 19-0 all 19 by a KO Um, it's a fantastic fight it really is Um, it's a shame though that we're going to see Ortiz and Ennis both boxing on the very same weekend but not against each other and once again it's another huge shame that um Ennis is having his thirty first fight and it's against um you know this, this Romain Via who obviously he's you know he's an okay fighter but I don't think I'd put him in the same league as Stanionis. A lot of people are actually thinking Stanionis could even pull an upset here. Stanionis has a fantastic jab. He's a very clever fighter. I think he adapts as well. Um and yeah, you know, I think it's gonna be a really, really 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 good fight. Um, Virgil Ortiz obviously has had his issues outside of the ring with an illness. Um, I've also heard that Stannionis as well had some kind of serious illness as well. Both guys have been quite unlucky with their outside of the ring illnesses, but yeah, both guys are back here. We're finally seeing it, it's finally on. Um, Virgil Ortiz, man, you know. Phew. Hell of a fighter. I've, I've talked I've talked him up so many times. Um, I thought he was brilliant against Michael McKinson. That was almost a year ago though now. you know Time really does fly. And Stanionis um, was able to beat Butaev as well. And that was over a year ago. So both guys are coming off of quite a long layoff as well. Um, but yeah, brilliant, brilliant fight. This is obviously fight of the weekend for sure. And a lot of people saying this has got the makings of fight of the year. We shall see. You can more more than double your money for Virgil Ortiz to get another knockout. You know, I think that's interesting. That's how much they rate Stani Onis. Um So yeah, I think a lot of people kind of seeing it like Virgil Ortiz KO or Stani Onis points. Um, Eddie, do you want to weigh in on this? Two really good fighters here. It's a great fight.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is one hell of a weekend of fights. Uh, guys that I really rate. Um, I'm gonna be at the Boots fight in, in, in down in Atlantic City most likely. So I'm gonna watch that, see what happens there. I'm expecting great things there, but I definitely, definitely want to see this. Uh, Standing over to Ortiz, this, this is an excellent fight. Uh, these two guys at, at this point in their careers, they're on, the, they're still ascending up, and to meet at this time is just great for us. I mean, it's obviously a championship fight, so uh, uh, you know, there's things on the line, money and opportunity after, and belts. So yeah, excellent fight. Definitely looking forward to it, and I'm gonna look, I'm gonna watch both events uh this coming uh saturday
2: night wow well there you go you've heard it from eddie there he said he's gonna watch both events that must mean that He is interested in both events. He doesn't often say that. So, um, yeah, that's some dedication, dedication, Eddie. And I look forward to doing next week's show when we're talking about both of these supremely talented welterweights. Like I say, it's just a damn shame that they're both boxing on the same weekend but not against each other. But I do also think there should be belts on the line for that fight. Anyway, that brings the preview part of the show to a close in part one we did the review part then we welcomed our special guest the reigning english super welterweight champion mr sam gilly in part two we did the news it was really really brief we just wrapped up the preview part the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds Okay, and this wraps up episode four hundred and three of the Box Hard podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout out to this week's special guest, the reigning English super welterweight champion, Mr. Sam Gilly. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in. There has been just one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. It's a fight for the WBO, IBF, WBA, and IBO heavyweight world titles. We're going to see Alexander Usyk defend those belts against of course his his mandatory challenger mr daniel dubois the fight to take place in poland on august 26th which is a saturday i believe it's going to be on a network called tnt sports on box office so i don't know too many details about those guys but we'll see as it gets closer but that's about everything though from myself enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week